the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown, Colorado's conservative podcast, providing insight and thought-provoking discussions on Colorado's most critical policy issues. Let's join Michael Fields for today's edition. Welcome to another edition of the Advanced Colorado Rundown. My name is George. This is Michael Fields. Michael Fields, and we have a special guest with us today, really to talk about something that was highlighted by the governor in his State of the State address, and that is trying to make Colorado affordable again. I don't know what that looks like on a red hat with white lettering, make Colorado affordable again. Anyway, uh, but to join us right now, we have Ben Murray from the Independence Institute, sir. Thanks for joining us. George, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Ben, tell us your title. I think I'd heard it off air and it was something like Commodore of Money or something like that. Yeah, you got it. That's it. <laughs> uh, Fiscal That's Policy Center Director uh, for Independence Institute. Uh, now, Ben, you have been, first off, congratulations, you had a baby. That's fantastic. Uh, and that's number two. And we've already established that, you know, it. Um, you have been paying attention here to what's been going on with things like inflation, some of the fiscal policy efforts. Kind of give us a background of how did we get to a place where the governor of the state of Colorado announces that his big priority for this year, coincidentally before reelection, is to try to make Colorado affordable again? Yeah, um, you know, you, you made a mistake bringing a big fiscal econ nerd on your sh- on your show. I'm going to try to avoid letting anybody's eyes glaze over, but I want to start where you started. Governor Polis talking about affordability. I'm going to give a quote right after his state of the state address, where by the way he talked about money and affordability more than any other topic. Agreed. He said this. He he tweeted this. He said, "If there's one thing that you can take away from today, let it be my optimism for the days ahead. Our commitment to moving Colorado forward." Big slogan they're using by saving people money, improving affordability, and making our state a better place for everyone. So this is a big topic for Democrats. And you're right. I I think you just said it. Polis said uh, at the Steamboat Institute last summer that the ideal income tax rate in Colorado should be zero. Boom. Agreed. Stipulated. So then, and and I'll kind of end here and let you ask questions, but then the big big question is, well, what are they doing to make all this happen? Polis is so fiscally conservative and all this. And if you go to Colorado Senate Democrats website, front and center, it says, move Colorado forward, that little slogan Polish used. And then right after that, immediately text says, Colorado Democrats are laser focused on saving you money. And so the question that I hope you ask, I hope you'll ask me is, well, how are they doing that? How are they all of a sudden becoming fiscally conservative? It's too easy. It's the low hanging fruit. How are they doing that, Ben? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad you asked, George. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So, you know, (laughs) Number one is they're not doing what Polis wants them to do. Uh, They have not jumped on board with his lowering the income tax. In fact, they killed that bill in the kill committee with basically no debate um, two weeks ago, I think. But what they are doing is they're temporarily suspending or, um, you know, suspending or pausing different fees that they created. Um, Which are really taxes, but we call them fees. Which are really taxes. 
so uh, I'll give you a few maybe from uh, Polis's budget that he listed because you know we don't know ultimately what'll pass. We'll see that down the line. But some of the things that he proposed is number one, a large portion of the fee cuts or suspending fees. Remember, this is extremely important for everybody listening. When they talk about suspending fees or cutting fees, we can get in more into the weeds on this if you want to. I don't know how familiar your audience is, but the legislature uses fees to get around Tabor's requirement to vote on taxes, right? So they don't need our permission to increase fees. So when they take away a fee, they can reimpose that fee, no problem, willy-nilly, as soon as the election's over. Uh, now, that's something I think we're likely to see if Democrats uh, you know, end up maintaining one-party control in Colorado. I think you'll just see them... I uh, go, well, thank you very much for our power back, and we will just reimpose everything we just uh, suspended. But a large portion of the proposed fee suspension is from the reducing payroll taxes, which somehow the payroll taxes they imposed, um, that, that the left imposed, let's say, because really voters adopted it, was that paid family medical leave, massively expensive. And they're talking about um, suspending that or delaying it a, a year. Um, and they're talked about uh, Paul has bragged about suspending fees to start a business. So after they force businesses to shut down for, you know, a year and a half or whatever, right. And they, they shut down Colorado's economy and force all these small businesses under, uh, then now they're saying, well, look, if we put you out of business, if the government put you out of business during COVID, uh, guess what? We will make it, we're going to waive the fee for you to start your business back up again. You know, they're so generous, right. Um, and then, you know, Democrats decreased vehicle registration fees by $11 and 10 cents this year. What? How much? $11.10. What's, what, what's the reasoning for that when they pass? Well, what was they're, the rationale? They're, they're trying to save us money, right? After increasing, <laughs> after increasing fees annually by $225 million last oh. session alone, they reduced our gas fee by $11. So they're, doing, they're making life really affordable for us. Um, so, you know, this is kind of the story we're seeing is, is massive increases in fees. Uh, without our permission. They don't go to the ballot. They don't ask us. And now they want us to believe that they're the party of affordability because they're ratcheting back temporarily a tiny fraction of the new costs they've imposed on us. I'll leave it there, but that's kind of what's going on. And Michael. And Ben, and ben you talked about uh, the gas fee, uh, which is really a tax, and we're uh, about to drop a lawsuit on, on that issue, uh, saying that it does go around Proposition 117, which we passed a couple of years ago now, saying that we need to vote on big fees like this. And so uh, that will be coming soon. But I wanted to get back to you brought about up the income tax, uh, you know, and the fact that the polis says it should be zero. I know Independence Institute is helping lead an effort to drop the income tax a little bit uh, this year on the ballot. Why is that important? So here, there are a lot of things I could point to, but I think one of the most obvious things is inflation. Um, if you look nationally, and I have the national numbers on this, families pay an extra about $385,000 per month to live versus what they did a year ago. Actually, the numbers in Colorado are higher. Um, I, I have numbers from Mike Lee's office, which is uh, the senator from Utah. Surprise, surprise, our Democrat, Democrat senators here in Colorado haven't put out these numbers the way Mike Lee did. But I think it's probably going to be pretty comparable. Mike Lee's office actually said, um, that it's over $500 a month for Utah. So in other words, this part of the country um, is actually experiencing more than the national average. I mean, we, we saw last month when the inflation numbers came out that the national inflation level was 
uh, sorry, 7.5% year over year. Colorado's was 7.9%. So you and I know, Michael, and I, you know, we, we get the economics of, we know that, in, that there's a lot going on with inflation that has nothing to do with anything Colorado is doing. It's not Colorado's fault of supply chain. And, and, you know, Biden would like us to believe it's all Putin's fault. But the fact of the matter is there are a lot of things. But when you see Colorado's inflation levels higher than the national average, there's something happening here in Colorado that's making Colorado less affordable than other places. That's making inflation worse here. And where I would point there is government policies. So back to your income tax, right? How do we ease that burden on Coloradans, especially when, when policies here in the state are the ones making it worse here than other places? You give them a tax break. You give them back some of their own money. Now, that didn't happen though in the legislature, as you pointed out. I mean, that was already that was already just killed. Are there any? Are there things out there that you're aware of that you've heard rumors of that could happen between now and the end of this session um, that could actually make a meaningful difference towards that laser focus? <laughs> you know, look, I, I would like to give you an optimistic answer about that. I'm begging because you. I, I don't know of, of anything. The, the, the bills here. Look, there there were some bills that were really promising that I that I frankly, didn't expect to go anywhere, um, but they would have made a difference. And every single one of them got sent to kill committees and killed by Democrats, basically with no debate. I'll give, uh, would you like me to give you a few examples of, of those bills that would have really made a difference? 10 examples, please. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> any that you've yeah. So there's House Bill 1021. That would have just reduced the state income tax rate. Fortunately, that'll be on the ballot this November. Uh, Independence Institute's been working to, to get that um, to get that through, and and we'll have that on the ballot. Um, but that would have reduced the income tax rate uh, permanently. That was killed in in the State Affairs Committee. Didn't belong to the State Affairs Committee. They sent it there to kill it. Um, then there was another bill, eleven twenty five House Bill eleven twenty five would have made this new rate that we're going to have for the Tabor refunds. So Tabor refunds um, are coming this year. They'll reduce the income tax rate to 4.5% temporarily to issue those refunds. A bill would have made that rate permanent. They killed that in kill committee. Um, There was also a bill that would have required two thirds of the legislature to agree before imposing new fees. That would have been great. It would have been much harder for for, uh, one party to impose new fees on us. Like I said, $225 million last year alone in new fees. Uh, couldn't do that without two thirds. They killed that in a kill committee again in kill committee. Um, so notice there's this theme here of they don't want to actually have to debate on these issues. They call themselves the party of affordability. We're laser focused on saving Coloradans money. Well, when there are bills that could actually make a meaningful difference in saving Coloradans money, they send them to a kill committee so they don't have to actually get any serious consideration or debate. There must be some bipartisan efforts, though, that are aimed at making a difference. I mean, I can't imagine it's all just partisan this way or that way. You know, I, I, I do suspect that we'll see some of these efforts to reduce fees um, to be bipartisan. I mean, I support that. I don't see any reason why we shouldn't reduce some of these fees. But you, the, your question was, what's going to make a meaningful difference? And it's not yeah, my right. opinion that those things are going to make a meaningful difference. You know, I'm thinking about kind of this in a broad picture that, you know, what average person's dealing with, they're dealing with inflation, prices are up, gas prices are up, everything is, is costing more. And then you have a state government that has grown to $40 billion, right? It was uh, up $11 billion in the last just four years. Uh, you talked wow. about fees, you know, driving that, a lot of, uh, uh, you know, revenue that's coming into to state government. But there seems like there's a disconnect between 
uh, what is happening with the government having a, a lot of money and and people really struggling to make ends meet. And one thing that I think about, something that I've worked on for several years now, is is property taxes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the fact that you know we're going to see a twenty to thirty percent increase uh, in in property taxes this next assessment. Uh, and it seems that the legislature has no interest in dealing with that. If you want to really save people money who are trying to stay in their homes, who are on fixed incomes, uh, that seems like something that they could latch on to and provide some, some some relief when it comes to property taxes. Yeah, and there, there have been a lot of efforts to do that. Uh, your your organization's effort last year with Prop 120, I think, was was great. Unfortunately, that didn't pass. Um, in, in my view, largely, and we've talked about this largely because of some some. Uh, shenanigans by the legislature. Um, but uh, there have been other efforts. So one example, and I actually testified on this bill a few weeks ago, um, there was a bill that would have expanded the so- senior homestead exemption. Mm-hmm. And look, that would have helped seniors on fixed incomes. There's no doubt about it, right? That, that was capped at 300000 when the bill passed in, in the year 2000. At that time, I think the average median home price, I should median, median home price in Colorado was under $300,000. Now the median home price in Colorado is over $600,000. The bill proposed expanding that ex- exemption from three hundred to $600,000. And, um, you know, really it would just be a, a, an adjustment for the increase in the cost of housing over the last 22 years. Again, Democrats sent it to the kill committee. They, they it didn't even get any serious consideration by Democrats. And, and look, frankly, you know, we're a libertarian organization here in, in Colorado and in, in, um, Independence Institute. And we, I think we'd prefer to, to not see carve outs like that in the tax code. We'd rather just see everybody have lower taxes across the board. Um, but, but the question is, you know, does that even deserve serious debate? I mean, do, do our Democrat legislators really think that something like that doesn't at least deserve real consideration and debate? I mean, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's astounding. One other thing that is is going on right now is, uh, you know, these uh, education groups want more money put into education. We've had, you know, $3.5 billion went into education from COVID funds. Uh, Governor Polis has, and the legislature has sent more money uh, to education in the last few years. But there's an effort now to uh, kind of bring Proposition CC back, this idea mm-hmm. of uh, taking our Tabor refunds, which could be as big as $2 billion dollars. Uh, in the next couple of years, they want to take a billion of that and, and put it towards education when voters just in 2019 said no to that. I guess any comments on how you, you know, on that idea or how do you think it'll go if it gets on the ballot? Yeah, I mean, look, I'll say this in the spirit of Tabor, I, I love Tabor. I love our ability to vote on taxes. And look, I wouldn't be voting in favor of that measure, but put it on the ballot. Let, you know, let the people decide. Um, I don't have any problem with somebody putting a tax increase on the ballot and letting people decide. What what bothers me is when they don't even give me a choice. And that's what they've done with these hundreds of millions of dollars in new fees. Now, as far as, like I said, would I, would I favor that? No. I think that we've got the money and we don't need to impose more costs on Coloradans. Legislative Council puts out a forecast every quarter for um, expected revenue, what they expect the Tabor cap to be, what they expect Tabor refunds to be. I know, Michael, you probably look at them when they come out. The last eight forecasts, for the last eight forecasts, Tabor revenue has increased in every single forecast for, for fiscal year 2020, 2021. Eight forecasts. Now, one of those was a special one in between the, in between the quarter, in the middle of the quarter. But that means for seven quarters straight, for almost two years, they've revised revenues 
up beyond their expectations. The state is not starving for money, right? One, one thing that we tend to forget about because it's so far in the past is uh, referendum C, um, right? Uh, not CC, but referendum C from 2005. Mm-hmm. When, when people in government, I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats, when our legislature and our politicians say, well, Tabor is getting in the way of us funding priorities like uh, education or, or whatever. And they say, see, we can't, we can't fund these things the way we need to because of Tabor, right? We have this, this revenue cap and we have to, we have to give it back to the people if it, does, if, if it goes above that cap. Um, I say, what about, what about referendum C? The legislature came to the people and they made the case and they said, look, we don't have enough money. Give us more money. Referendum, vote in favor of referendum C so that we can fund essential services like education and this and that. And the people said, you know, that makes sense. We care about education. We want that to be fund, well-funded and blah, blah, blah. And, and the politicians won the argument and we, the people per Tabor agreed to give them more, more money. You know how much extra money the, the, the state has brought in since referendum C beyond what they would have otherwise? Does, do y'all know? $200 trillion. That's billions. Over $30 billion. What? Over $30 billion beyond what they would have had Ref C not passed. And that was bipartisan. That was supported by Republicans as well. Oh, I remember. I remember it now, well. Now, Independence Institute opposed that. But for those who say, oh, Tabor's standing in the way of government getting the money they need, when, when the people voted to give the government an extra $30 billion over the course of 17 years, and they're still saying we don't have the money to pay for education appropriately, that's not an indictment on Tabor. Yeah. That's not an indictment on the people of Colorado. That's an indictment on our politicians. Yeah. I have one more question, kind of, you know, the fact that Independence Institute likes working on ballot issues. They've done it for years. You talked about letting voters weigh in on, uh, you know, these different fiscal measures, which I totally agree. Great part of Tabor. Um, but the question I have is, in the last couple of years, we've seen a effort at the legislature to uh, bias the language, right? So we, your tax cut is going to be clear cut. Do you want to lower taxes? Yes or no. Um, but they've come in and said, you know what, we're going to put all these extra things in there saying it's going to cut from education, it's going to cut from local services, etc. And then with our ballot issue last year on property taxes, they literally changed the meaning of what would happen if the, you know, if we passed it. And so I guess my question is, um, you know, at the Independence Institute, and as you're looking at these issues, as the legislature kind of tips the scale against cutting taxes or people keeping money, how big of an impact do you think that's going to have uh, when people actually get that ballot in the mail and are voting on these issues? You know, that's a great question. Um, let me say this, that what they're doing is an absolute crock because the way that legislation was written um, is not necessarily going, it's not necessarily going to be accurate what people are going to see on their ballot, right? Um it, 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 it makes assumptions that um, are not necessarily true. And uh, basically, it's now been codified that we must lie to voters on, 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 their, on their voter ballot, which, it, which, which is terrible. Our, our, um, our constitutional legal scholar here, Rob Nadelson, actually wrote a great piece on this very topic when that bill passed. I recommend people go look at it at completecolorado.com. And, uh, you know, he, and he, he kind of picked it apart more than I can from a legal perspective, uh, even though that's very much a fiscal, a fiscal topic. It's also more so a legal topic. Right. Um, and, and Rob Nadelson did a great job of picking that apart. But um, the long and short of it is from the budget side is it requires basically that they that 
that the language on the ballot tell voters, hey, this is going to take money away from the top three spending priorities in the state. But that's not true. It's up to the legislature where that money comes from. Um, and, and it's a mystery to me why it is that anytime we talk about giving Coloradans some of, some of their own money back, that the first thing the left talks about is, oh, we're going to cut education and, you know, to the, at the local level, we're going to cut fire departments. And my question is, well, those are your words, not mine. I don't think we should cut education. Why do you think we should cut education? Right. You Really, you yeah. can't come up with anything better to cut? Than education. How about we cut the the governor's new office of equity and, and inclusion or whatever that nonsense office is that he created last year? They never mentioned cutting that. They always no. say, well, well, if you if you take away any of our revenue, we're going to cut education. Well, I think that's a bad idea. I don't know why the left wants to cut education so bad. Or CDOT's Taj Mahal. That thing could be cut back too. Um, ben, <laughs> we've saved the credibility questions for last because I think I know the answers here. You were Born in the Big D, for those not not uh, in the know, that's Dallas. You spent your formative years there. Do you root for the Cowboys or do you root for a good team? <laughs> well, my answer is going to be boring. I don't really follow the NFL. <laughs> I gave what? up on them when they – I gave up on them with Kaepernick and all that. I just like, now nah, I'm done. My parents are big Cowboys fans. Okay, before uh, the Kaepernick thing, were you a were you a Cowboys guy? Were you American? You know, I was team never. Guy? I was never a huge Cowboys uh, fan. I was never. I was just never a big football fan. Is what it is. You know, what's I your love sport, football. man? What's your thing? Football. What's that? What's your sport? What's the sport you watch and root for? Oh, you're no, not going to like it. It, it. Well, is it field hockey? I mean, what I'm is a dork. It? You know what I like to do? I like to follow macroeconomic stuff in my free time. I really do. I, I love. So it's not something I have to curling? do for my job. What's that? curling? <laughs> no, it's not something I do for my job, but I love macroeconomics. I love following what's going on globally, economically, um, big trends. I, I'm a nerd. I'm a, I'm a through and through nerd. Like rather than sitting down and watching a Broncos game, I'd rather sit down and, and watch an economist talk about mac- macroeconomics. Are you going to get your two sweet young boys balls to play with or an abacus? I mean, what no, I will look when I was growing up, I played football. Uh, I liked it. Okay. I, I, you I played football. I in Texas, football. that's a big deal. Yeah. You know, high school, I said, I'm done with this. Ninth grade, I stopped because I said, you know what? Everybody else has gone through puberty and I'm still scrawny. So this isn't the sport for me. Uh, you know, like, <laughs> but uh, no, I love playing sports. I, I just, I'm just, when it comes to using my time, I'd rather, I'm not a big spectator sport guy, you know? Look, I just want to say vive la différence because uh, we need people that focus on the smart stuff. That's clearly not me. I'm not sure if it's Michael, honestly, because he knows so much about so many things. And he actually plays ball. He plays uh, ball at Park in Parker on a rec league. And um, really, he is the Michael Jordan of Parker. A lot of people know him that way. They're like, hey, MJ, when they see him oh, in the right. Parker Fieldhouse and stuff like okay. that. But in, in a weird way, they also flip him the bird. And I don't know what the connection is between those two things, but it's, it's awesome. You know, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I regretted when I worked in Ted Cruz's office in the U.S. Senate, I regretted not playing sports because Ted Cruz always did like weekly basketball games in the U.S. Senate basketball court. Uh, yeah, yeah. Ted Dude Cruz is a baller. That guy, that guy plays basketball? Cruz loves basketball. And apparently he plays really dirty, but he would always get his staff to come play with him. And I never went because I'm terrible at basketball. Um, but, and he would play with other Senate offices, other senators, you know, get their staff, you know, over there and, you know, we'd have, so yeah, I, I never got to play. And was his dirty play the kind, and I get that I get dirty players. I've, I've seen it. That was my excuse for not excelling at the sport. I, I wouldn't get down into the gutter with some of these folks. Although I do like going terrible. It's terrible. Um, 
was Cruz also the guy that would always scream hack, foul, that kind of thing? Colin? I'm not, I'm not sure. Cause I didn't go. I just wasn't there, but here's what you can do. Um, he and Jimmy Fallon played one-on-one basketball. Oh my uh, Lord. And it was aired on the Jimmy Fallon show and all this. And you can probably go YouTube it. If you want to see just the most painful thing to watch that you've ever seen mm. you middle-aged guys like on a basketball court hardly ever scoring like sweating <laughs> both obviously worn out <laughs> like yeah. Ted Cruz ended up winning by the way but uh, uh, what yeah yeah, oh, yeah come on and, and there was Jimmy Fallon spectators yeah, right. and, yeah. so anyways you can go 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 look that up if you want to want a little laugh Ben Murray from the Independence Institute and the Big D, we've gotten some real revelations from you. I think I'm as concerned about the personal ones as I am about the legislative ones. So we'll have to talk about that offline here. Uh, I'm George Brockler uh, signing off. Michael, any last words? I think it's uh, something we need to keep a watch on. And and thanks for joining us, Ben. Absolutely. If you've uh, if you've liked what you've heard, you can subscribe or call your nearest mental health professional because something be wrong. No, I'm kidding. Uh, We've loved being with you. We'll be back with you next week. That's all we got this time. You've been listening to the Advanced Colorado Rundown brought to you by Advanced Colorado, the conservative thought leader driving dialogue and solutions to Colorado's most critical policy issues. Find them at AdvanceColorado.org. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.